make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline rule. And I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw. Welcome to uh, Ectoplasm, our very first podcast, and uh, I am Myron House. I am Josh Hurd, and uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff and things. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, being the first podcast, I think we should talk about Josh Hurd definitely. Well, I am an author and lecturer and paranormal investigator. Uh, I've been doing all this since I was uh, roughly about 16 years old. Um, and through my passion and all that stuff, I you know decided to write a couple books. Um, uh, we just got done shooting our first documentary. Uh, things of that nature. So, you know, the whole purpose behind this show is we're kind of we're going to kind of do things a little bit differently. We're going to do, you know, me being the, the avid believer in the paranormal that I am. And, and Myron, you know, is more, not necessarily a skeptic, but he's more skeptic minded. You know, he's more on the fence. I think he, he wants to believe. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think you're completely wrong. Uh, (laughs) I am firmly on the side of the fence of, of not believing, but I have a completely open mind to everything spiritual, religious, uh, paranormal. It, I'm not going to include aliens in that because uh, even though we haven't proven that there are aliens, I mean, it's it, it would definitely be kind of stupid of me not to believe that there's life on other planets. Uh, I don't know about aliens visiting us, but anyways, moving on. Uh, again, I am... a complete skeptic i believe in none of this stuff but i am going to uh and i'm gonna try not to argue too much about it but uh (laughs) but i think i think this will be good for our purpose though just so we can have have both sides of the coin here because you know a lot of a lot of the radio shows and things that i have done it's basically like you know it's all paranormal yeah and it's all everybody and their dog believes that this is 100% a ghost. Well, or... what you do is you preach to the choir. Exactly. I listen to I listen to other podcasts and I I uh like say I I'm a libertarian. So let's say if I if I'm listening to a libertarian podcast, I get no opposing views to any of the libertarian, you know, podcasts or or uh, opposing views to views that libertarians have, so it's it's all just propaganda going straight into my ear. Sure, I think if you have a, a, a if you're going to talk paranormal, which we're going to do, if you're going to, you should have somebody to say, hey, you know, this is let's let's keep our feet on the ground a little. 
Right, right, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so getting back to you, Josh. Okay, so your name is Josh Hurd. We've, we've heard it a couple times already. And le- I want to start, I, I kind of want to organize your introduction because you have so much going on, and I have likened you <laughs> to uh, Buckaroo Banzai. For anybody who knows who Buckaroo Banzai is, it's a movie from the 80s who had Peter Wellers, the guy that played RoboCop. And uh, yeah, he was a complete badass in the movie. He was a, uh, a college professor, an author. Uh, he was in an internationally famous rock band. He was a scientist, and he did. Uh, he drove race cars in the desert <laughs> and drove a race car through a mountain. And I am going to compare Josh Hurd to to Buckaroo Bonsai because Josh Hurd is more than what he just said in his introduction. <laughs> He's not on the level, the fictional level of Buckaroo Bonsai, but he is an author. Uh, he was a teacher, and he stopped doing that to uh, uh, do what he loves uh, full-time. Uh, he is in a rock band, which he neglected to mention, <laughs> <laughs> and he is really good at it. Uh, he does lectures. Uh, so let's let's start out with, uh, where are you from, Josh? I... Um and born and raised southwest Iowa, corn-fed farm boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am too, and we look like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think that music came first for you, didn't it? Yeah, uh, that's always been a passion um, ever since I was like two, you know, just singing whatever I could. And then, you know, learned to play guitar when I was, hell, I think I was like 16 years old or so mm-hmm. started playing guitar and then got enough balls to get on stage and try it out in front of the, the student body one day at school over the launch hour. And, uh, yeah, from there I just kind of had the itch to perform. Did you naturally have a singing voice or did you have to teach yourself to stay in key? No. Um, I think I've always been okay at that. Like I was, I've been in choir and all that stuff forever. So, you know, all throughout, high school and college I was in choir and all that fun shit so you know I've always you know thought I was able to sing you know at least on a choral level Mm -hmm. and then you know you start wanting to develop like your own style of you know voice or how you want to sing or whatever and that's that's where it becomes difficult for most people it's like yeah sure you can sing with 60 other people or 150 other people you know, around you, uh-huh. but it's like singing by yourself sucks. <laughs> it's it's a completely different ball game. It sucks. Yeah. Now you don't do. You, I don't know if you have original music, but when you go when you go do gigs, I mean, you're just a cover band. It's a local cover band, right? Right. And uh, but the difference between uh, most bands is that it, there's only two of you. It's it's uh, you your voice you playing guitar and then you have your your friend playing the drums and yeah he um, does backup vocals but but you don't have a bass you don't have uh another rhythm guitar or anything like that no so. it's just it's pretty stripped down bare bones yeah. type stuff so every time you do a cover you make it an original version yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well there's lots of good original versions out there you know you got uh 
uh, Alien Ant Farm doing Michael Jackson, uh, oh, yeah. which was Smooth Criminal. And that was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And uh, you have uh, 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 Nonpoint doing In the Air Tonight. Absolutely. You know, so it, to me, it's like you're on the same vein as that, but you're still just a local cover band. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you get into when, when did you get into the paranormal and stuff? Like um that was, you know, I was around like 13 13 years old. Um I had an uncle that was very close to me pass away and it was the stuff surrounding his death. There were some very odd occurrences that happened, you know, surrounding his death that really got me, you know, questioning questioning um if there was more after this, of course, you know, being from Southwest Iowa or whatever, you know, I, I grew up going to church and listening to all this stuff. And of course, you know, it's, Oh, when you die, you go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's just what people think. That's now, just it. Now in your church, because I think it's important to, to ask this now, is this, this was a Christian church. Yes. And was this a fire and brimstone, we believe in hell kind of you know, church? There was the only real mention of hell or any type of damnation whatsoever was delivered directly from Scripture. Re- like the way it was read verbatim out of the Bible mm-hmm. in a specific verse. There was no real talk of, you know, hell, basically, if you're x y and z a bad person if you you know yeah you know technically speaking if you freaking you can't take a piss without sinning so you know what i mean yeah yeah you know what i mean though like like there's this new there's this new thing with uh christians where they take all the bad parts and get rid of them they trash them sure they put them in the the delete folder yeah right and then they keep all the good parts of it and then you have these other ones that are they keep all the bad parts and they're like if you do anything wrong you're you're gonna burn in a lake of fire it's kind of like a scared straight type thing exactly exactly so so are you the birkenstock hippie jesus everything about religion is good kind of christian or are you the the fundamental you know like if you if you don't uh, believe in jesus christ and and blah 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 you're gonna go to hell it's kind of weird like I get what you're saying. Um, I would say, like, and well, and this is this is this is to kind of get a clue as to how hard uh, religion was pushed on you as a kid, right? And, and I don't mean pushed on you like in a negative way. I mean just like what kind of religious teachings did you have? You know, I would say I'm I'm more on the fence um, as far as like adopting any type of specific you know oh yeah you have to do x y and z in order to get to heaven i don't really buy that you know what i'm saying um you know it says a lot of things i mean the bible says a lot of things Mm -hmm. It, it honestly does me i i think it's enough that you you believe in god and and all that stuff you try to live as good of life as possible you know Mm -hmm. um but as far as, you know, the Bible, like I said, it says a lot of things. Like technically speaking, you know, if you want to get right down to brass tacks, the Bible says that you shouldn't eat shellfish ever. Yeah. And that slavery should be condoned. 
Yeah. Which is fucked up. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. you can't. And, and of course that goes against everything that we're talking about, you know, yeah. or these days anyway. So is everybody going to heaven? Um, I would say the majority of us <laughs> are probably so where going the... straight to hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your so your your uncle died at thirteen, right? And, and you know, like like I said, it just got me questioning: what is there after this? You know, what happens after this? Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know. It was just it was a difficult time anyway. So. The experiences that I personally had, you know, was like um, the the stereotypical feeling cold, like so cold, in fact, that in being like frozen solid, like you don't want to move. You can't move the hair standing up on on your arms and on the back of your neck and then smelling his cologne, which was very distinct and all that stuff. Now, and this happened at the funeral. This happened the day after the funeral, okay. actually. Um. And it was just me in my house alone, which was odd enough, you know, in itself. Um, and still to this day, I have yet to know what that cologne is, what it was, or it, even if they like still make it. Now, could that have been my mind triggering all this, all this pent up, you know, repressed memories mm-hmm. because of all the grief that I was feeling at that moment? Absolutely. Like it very well could have been, but it, at that moment, I believe that I was visited by him. And then, of course, I said his name, like, in question, you know. And um, it all went away. The smell went away. The, the cold went away. It, it, that's the moment, though, that I started asking myself, okay, what is going on here? Like, where is he, you know? Mm-hmm. If, he if he died or whatever, what's going on? So... That's what really got me going on all of this stuff. Since you were, was that the first relative that died? That was the first really close relative, yeah. And you've had several others die. Since then, yes. Because everybody dies. Yes. And that, but having an experience like that, that's what pulls you into this world of the paranormal because you, you have an experience that seems. Uh, abnormal right right and so uh, the only way to explain that in in your view at the time was you think you were visited by him and when well let me ask first how close were you with your uncle we were very close it would be like the equivalent of losing a best friend i mean it was very very close and have you lost anybody as close to you as you and your uncle were since since then absolutely yeah yeah and are you really grief stricken by that um i i have been yes i kind of go through uh you know my own little grieving process anyway um i will say that you know being involved with the paranormal as i am now has almost helped in that sense, because I think, okay, yeah, they're they're not technically here. Their physical body isn't technically here, but at at the same time, you know, it's. I know that there's something else after this. I I believe that there's something else after this, mm-hmm. and so that that helps, you know, comfort a little bit. So, 
I lost my grandfather, and he was the first person uh, to die that was close to me. And I was in my 30s. And uh, he was in the hospital for several days. He was bedridden for a few months before that at home. And then he went into the hospital. Uh, uh, He was dying in the hospital, and then he died. And uh, the next day, uh, of course, I was sad that he had died. Sure. But I can't say that I was grief-stricken. So after he had died, I kind of just got over it. And nobody else has really died in my family that's real close but you know i don't even have a close family uh we don't hug each other we don't kiss each other right we don't hang out with each other on extended basis if i need help i can go over to my uncle and get some help and you know hey you know i need 20 bucks (laughs) right right. or can i borrow your truck and and you know so we help each other but uh we're not uh we're not a touchy feely kind of <laughs> really close knit kind of family, you know. So, right. and and I think that 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 speaks to uh, the coldness that I had, if you want to call it that, after my grandfather died. And, if, sure. and, and like I said, of course, I was sad. Yeah, know? of but, course. But I wasn't close to my grandfather either. You know, I mean, the guy always had a dip in his mouth and he he never talked because right. of it. And, and it, you know, if you got him drunk, he'd he'd talk. But for most of my life, he was, you know, he had quit drinking. So, that yeah. you know, he was a quiet guy. I couldn't tell you uh, anything about him, really, other than he was in the military and this and that. And, and to keep from rambling, I'm just I'm just trying to say, do you think that when you have a close family, and you have an actual heart <laughs> versus what I got. Like when you have an actual heart, do you think that that, that stuff kind of hits you harder? A death in a family hits you harder, and then, and then your body physically reacts to the pain of losing somebody versus uh, my situation where it was like, okay, I'm just going to get over it. Right. I mean, and that's very possible too because – you know, the family dynamic that I've grown up with is the exact opposite. You know, it's like, oh, every time you see somebody, it's a it's a big hug. Every time you're leaving the house, then it's another big hug. It's stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it, a, a death like that or whatever would hit them harder. So I, w- I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Enough to cause a, not just in your situation, but in anybody's situation where they're where they're really close to somebody, and and right. and I'm not saying sexually, but like like right. like there's lots of, of touching and lots of hugs and lots of physical contact with somebody. Do you think that people's bodies react physically to that loss? Well, that's you know I would say it, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. So, I guess I've never really thought of it like that. But, yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Well, I think it would totally... I think it could influence, you know, especially, like, 
experiencing a loss like that would influence you, you know, mm-hmm. to react, like you said, in a physical type manner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's the that's the skeptic in me, <laughs> you know, saying saying, well, you know, this could just be a physical reaction to that, sure. rather than rather than an actual uh, uh, spirit uh, invading your body. It could just be you've suffered so much pain from the loss that your body right. just kind of shuts down. Your blood slows down. Your body becomes cold. You know. Well, and I I think that. Just our brains, our minds in general, are capable of way more than we even come close to understanding mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And like I said, you know, could that have been like some weird repressed memory, that smell that I smelled of my Uncle Todd? Yeah. You know, could that have been just me recalling this information? Yeah. And I, I would totally agree with that. It could have happened. Could have. It absolutely could have happened. It could have been very possible. But, of course, that's not the end because now you're pushed into the paranormal world because you're thinking ghost, okay? Yes. Visitation, that's what you're thinking. So so you're 13 at the time. When do you start getting into it heavy enough to write books about it? You know, it was two months after that fact that I started reading everything that I could get my little freaking hands on. And I mean devouring everything. Um, and I've yet to stop. You know, I read everything that I possibly can on the paranormal because I I want to know, just like everybody else. You know, I want to mm-hmm. get these hard answers. But then it was, you know, I... I well, let me let me stop you there. Uh-huh. You're reading everything on the paranormal because right. you want to get these hard answers. right. But just like UFO phenomenon, and and believe me, people, I'm a skeptic, but I love this shit. Yeah, I really do. I, you know, well, it's Art Bell you know? is a hero of mine. But but the thing is, is that if you're gonna go looking for hard answers, you might as well pull a, you know, go grab a math book, because that's the only thing you're gonna get hard answers on. <laughs> because Absolutely. it's all based on conjecture. It's all based on. Uh, somebody's testimony, but there are no hard facts in right. any of this stuff, and that's kind of the that's kind of the bitch of it, really. Is like I, you know, basically what happened is after I started reading all of these books, then I figured it out. I was like, oh my god, you know, some of these people like Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know, um, I'm like they're actively going to these houses. And they're trying to find these things. Now, who who is Ed and Lorraine Warren? Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren were like the first, um, they were husband and wife. You know, um, Lorraine is um, a supposed psychic. Mm-hmm. And Ed, you know, was basically like the very first, like, ghost hunter. Mm-hmm. And they would go to these locations. I mean, the movie The Conjuring is based on them. Mm-hmm. Based on their life. Now these these I think I've seen something on these two people, and they also visited the Amityville house. They were the lead investigators on that case. Yes, when it first happened. Yeah. So, just for anybody who doesn't know who they are, right? <laughs> they 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 wrote a book about Amityville, and I think that the first script was based off of. Uh, I believe so. The you know once Hollywood gets their grubby little paws on stuff, though, it <laughs> yeah. kind of. It kind of sways things. Yeah. Okay, so Ed and Lorraine Warren. (laughs) Right. Um, But like I said, you know, I'm like, they were actively going out and trying to find 
these things. They were trying to communicate, you know, pierce the veil for a moment and communicate with the afterlife. And I was fascinated by that. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to do something like this. But like I said at the time, then I was in college, you know, and I had zero money. I had no money. Um, And this was still when, you know, the paranormal was just about to break through, you know, into into uh, mainstream now. Now, what year is this? Oh, God. This was like. I mean, this was right in 2000. 2000. Yeah, this was right in 2000. And, and you're saying the paranormal just broke through. Was just about to. Was just about to break through. Yeah. What I mean, let's digress. Why do you think that the paranormal is now mainstream uh, but wasn't prior to 2000? Well, I'll, I'll give you, like, okay. If I were to go to, um, like, a house, a cemetery or something like this, and I was to actively be out there trying to find evidence of the afterlife uh-huh. people would look at me like i was a freaking nut bar they would they would probably have me committed you know what's funny about you saying that <laughs> just before coming here to do this podcast yeah i stopped at john uh i won't say his last name i stopped at john's house uh-huh. and he's the guy who lives behind the thurman oh yeah Iowa yeah cemetery and you have done these uh parent you've done uh, what do you call them? Uh, like paranormal events? Yeah. But well, like, well, we'll go out and have a group ghost hunt, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've done this at the Thurman Cemetery. And he yes. lives Direct. 40 feet yeah, right from the, the cemetery. There's a tree line there. but And we were just discussing this. <laughs> and uh, he says you're a complete nutter. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. So there are still people that think you're. you're oh, I guarantee you're a lunatic like, for doing it. I get this every day. Yeah. What I'm saying though is now, the paranormal has been put into the mainstream due to everybody and their dog has a TV show. Um, you know, there's zillions of like podcasts mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to like what we're doing right now, and. It's become this this phenomenon that people can now talk about around the water cooler at work without without the fear of being freaking, you know, put into a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's conventions and all this stuff. It's all been sensationalized and it's all been put into the mainstream, which sucks. But at the same time, it's also kind of a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's. I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword, really. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So, well, I would say that there's a lot more shows and a lot more, uh, a lot more interaction. And for those of you who don't know, if if we don't edit, if we can't edit it out, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we have a special guest here. We have Josh's. Uh, we have my four-month-old daughter yeah. in the uh, in the room with us <laughs> yeah. right now, and and we have no choice but to have her here. So, so right. let's enjoy the coos, and, <laughs> and we'll try to edit out the cries. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, I think that uh, I think that it, it is. If you want to, if you want to call it more mainstream, to have more shows, more podcasts, more media right. out there about the paranormal, then then yeah, I think that you're, I think that you're right. But do you think these guys are um, exploiting, you know, that kind of thing? I'm gonna say 
to some extent, yes. Yeah. Because, like, um, you know, I've had the privilege to meet some of these people and talk with them, and their their intentions are absolutely pure, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the ultimate goal is to go into a haunted location, supposed haunted location, and find evidence. You know, that's it. And then, then you know, you present this evidence to the client or, you know, and basically, ultimately, the world. Mm-hmm. The problem is there's always a product to sell with this. There's always uh, marketing and production and all this stuff that that goes into it. That's all behind the scenes, you know. Oh yeah, you have a you have a show like Ghost Hunters, Mm -hmm. pretty much the the first you know reality television show that came out as far as you know ghost hunting is concerned and. You know, it was amazing because, oh, my God, these guys are plumbers by day and they go out to these haunted locations at night. And in the background, you've got their wives bitching at them and all this stuff. It's just like real life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the same time, though, you have to think the network that's behind all of this, you know, that's trying to sell commercials is basically what it, yeah. what it falls under. Yeah, they don't care and if I they, think, got, they actually find a ghost or not. Well, exactly. And I think with that, you know, maybe production is trying to sway a team in a certain direction at times. You know, they're, they show you 45 minutes tops, 42 minutes, you know, of a show. Mm-hmm. Well, what people don't realize is they've been there for three days. Yeah. You know, sometimes four or five days shooting the mm-hmm. entire time it's not just one night of investigating it's yeah. like no the dude just has to put on the same shirt <laughs> you know what i mean to make yeah. it appear that way yeah so okay so you're in college now it's 2000 right so okay. i'm in yeah i'm in college and like i said i'm still interested in all this stuff but then like i said ghost hunters comes out on the air in like 2002 or three or some crap like that and <laughs> You know, I start watching this. I'm like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to go out and I want to find this stuff. Now, me being a college student, young, dumb, and, you know, I wanted all the knowledge but had very little. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to react when I, if I ever were to experience anything paranormal like that. Like if there was a ghost to walk directly up to me and smack me in the face or shake my hand or something like that, how would you react? I had no idea. All I knew is I wanted to go after it. Whatever it was, I wanted to go after it. So I found some people on campus that were like-minded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw five episodes of Ghost Hunter, so goddammit, we knew it all. Yeah. <laughs> and so well, um, I, I do the same thing with, uh, like, the old Monster Garage with Jesse James or, or, or watching any show where they're building <laughs> something. I'm like, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's what we did. We started, you know, it was around the Halloween season anyway, and so that's when the major media outlets, uh, television and newspapers will start printing stories of, you know, supposed haunted locations. And uh, we heard about this place. Um, right outside of the town that we were attending college. It was a cemetery, and there's this old abandoned chapel right next to it. And we went out there. We went out there a few times, and nothing really happened. There was a few, like, weird noises that we couldn't explain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, then, it was like, you know, nothing really to, quote-unquote, write home about. Mm -hmm. There was bangs and cracks and things of that nature. 
But then it was one particular night. It was the fourth night that we actually went out there to investigate. Something beyond belief happened. And it led me down this path thinking, okay, not only is there something else going on with all of this paranormal crap, but there's something very evil out there that we don't necessarily know about, that we don't necessarily hear about, because they're not going to touch anything like this on a show like Ghost Hunters or Paranormal State or anything like that. They're not going to touch this. And it was wretched. And that's what initially made me think, I should write a freaking book about this Mm -hmm. and really put it out to the masses. Now, you've written two books. Uh, Right. The first... (laughs) The first book you wrote was uh, when when ghost hunting goes, goes wrong, wrong yeah. a brush with evil, which you can get on Amazon. Just look for Josh Hurd, H E A R D, and uh, so in this book you have. And, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't read the book. That's okay. <laughs> it, it is, but I did read a few passages of it, and one of the things that uh, in the passage that I read. And it was uh, pretty cool. So I should have read the whole book, but I didn't. Was you and a friend had gone to, uh, it was a tree where a girl had hanged herself. Right. right? Um, the hanging tree uh, in the book was actually at that same location at uh, Workman's Chapel where it has like the cemetery and the chapel and there's the hanging tree there. And there's zillions of freaking claims of activity on this place. So. Now, where is the Workman's Chapel? It is uh, about 10 miles outside of Maryville, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a quick little drive for us anyway, you know, to to go out there. And, you know, like I said, we tried to investigate as much as we possibly could, like as many of the claims as possible. But, I mean, there's... Everything from this little girl who supposedly runs around the grounds to a a guy on horseback. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like that. So, so in this, but this part that I read, you you were in a car with a friend of yours, right? And you had parked under the tree. So, uh, do you want to tell it? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, basically, one of the claims is you know, it, and it's very stereotypical hanging tree story. You park your car underneath the underneath the tree, and then you'll hear, you know, foots like like foot scraping on the on the car itself and things things of that nature. But no, no, wait. What, when you say stereotypical, is that is that a story that that, oh, that yeah. goes along with a lot of hanging trees? You can park your car under them, and, and that's yeah, that's kind of like the thing to do is if there's this hanging tree or whatever that you park your car underneath it. That's just the thing to do, apparently. Well, is that the thing to do for us, or is that the thing to do for the ghosts that got hung at, on the tree that they say, well, it's, if people park their cars there, you have to scrape your feet along the hill. <laughs> it's, like, it's, a, it's a ghost rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, all I know is that we decided to give it a shot, and this was... This was odd because it was a brand new car. Like literally he him and I just drove it off the lot. You know, he just got this car. Mm-hmm. And the first place we took this car was Workman's Chapel because mm-hmm. we're nerds, you know, and that's <laughs> what we do. Yeah. And so we're there and um we park underneath this tree and you know, sure enough, we start hearing like these little 
taps and scrapes and things like that. And I'm like, what the hell? So I pull out one of my geekometers, this EMF detector, which measures for fluctuations in the electromagnetic field in mm-hmm. the atmosphere. And it started spiking, which was odd enough, you know, because there was nothing that could have been making this happen, yeah. you know. Um, I always have a rule, like, if the EMF detector comes out, the phones and everything like that get shut off because a phone will make those things go crazy. Sure. So turn the phones off and everything like that. The car would not do it. The car wasn't, uh, you know, making it do anything like that because the car was shut off. Yeah. You know, so we were there. We were doing our thing, and uh, I was looking at all these spikes and and stuff like that, uh, and it was... uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later that we decided, okay, the, you know, it's strange, it's odd or whatever, but now it's time to go. Well, then the car wouldn't start. Like, not even a dummy light would come on. Like, it had zero power. Uh-huh. And so now we're freaking because, like, we're in the middle of freaking nowhere, in the in the middle of this haunted location, and we don't know what's going on. Ten minutes later... Like, ten minutes go by with absolutely nothing, like I said. And he tries it one more time. It fires right up. And then we, you know, got the hell out of there. But it was just weird and coincidental. You know, like, a brand new car, it just completely shuts down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was weird, you know. And so could that have been some kind of a weird malfunction with the car? Absolutely. Yeah. But why why we were getting like the weird emf spikes at that time at that location i have no idea like yeah. what was going on there so well if you if you have a strong enough uh, electromagnetic pulse i mean it could it could stop the car from oh yeah sure starting. but wouldn't it just fry the electronics too to where it would most never, likely never if it was like a, again? like a em pulse like that mm-hmm. yeah probably so. can High electromagnetic uh, uh, fields stop a car from starting, but not destroy the electronics. Ooh, I, that I don't know. I think it would. I think it would fry it. Personally, well, I, I, the creepy part for me was hearing the that you heard these scrapes on the hood of the car. It was a little so, uh, unnerving, for sure. Yeah. So you you. You wrote that book first, and then right. you, and then your second book is uh, Haunting the Hunters. And, yeah. And again, that's available on Amazon. Uh, and th- this one's interesting. I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna read uh, the description. Okay. Uh, what is it about some locations that give us the creeps? What keeps us coming back for more? In Josh Hurd's latest book, he dives into the big questions about why ghost hunters have an everlasting love affair with the locations they hunt. What can lead to such an infatuation? This is a must-read for any paranormal investigator. It is packed with information, stories, and theories to keep our minds asking the bigger questions within the field of paranormal research. Josh Hurd takes you on another great ride with the stories he tells in his own unique style. And the reason I read that is because (laughs) this book isn't about uh, necessarily 
no. uh, hey, here's a ghost in this location, and this is what happened, and we were all creeped out. Right. This, is, this book right. is about uh, hunting the ghosts and, and what you do as a ghost hunter and, and yeah. uh, the details of that. And it's it's odd, too, because like there's always these places. You know, like I said, growing up in Iowa... You know, there's one location in Iowa that freaking everybody and their dog knows, and that's the Velisca Axe Murder House. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I've been there five times for five overnight stays, you know. Um, but that that place is, it's amazing. You know, the activity that I've experienced there has been very extreme and, and amazing. But, you know, it always makes me want to go back like, I always want to go back to Velisca. Oh, we should go to Velisca. Just like I experienced a lot of stuff at the chapel. Oh, we should go back to the chapel. It's like you get this itch mm-hmm. where you just want to go back. But what is it about those locations that make us want to go back so often? You know? Even though you've been there. Even though you've been there zillions of times. And, like, for me personally, you know, I've experienced some of the most horrific things possible um, at that chapel, at Workman's Chapel. Yeah. Why the hell would I want to go back? But I constantly do. I mean, the whole premise of like the documentary that we just shot, which is basically just retelling the first book with a little extra, you know, mm-hmm. an extra twist at the end, um, is, you know, basically putting this entire thing behind us, the story behind us, the location behind us. But we've been done shooting it now for two weeks. And I already want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to, but I want to. Well, you, you know. probably will. Maybe Sometime. eventually. I'm yeah. sure I will. Um, but that's because that's what you do. I mean, you want right. to go there. You want to get these. Uh, you want to walk into a place and you want to hear creaking doors and you want to yeah. see the floorboards wiggle. And Absolutely. It, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. No matter, and that's what, you know, and that's ultimately why, what I say in the book is, you know, no matter how horrible your experience was with a place, that's still as close as you've got to, to communicating with the other side. Yeah, but let's clarify, a horrible experience with a place is not getting any experience with well, a place, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, this was, you know, very intense, um, I, this was absolutely horrifying, to the point where I got, like, I don't. It's still to this day, it's been the better part of ten years since the actual story actually happened. You know, but um, I still wake up with nightmares of what went down on those nights. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous. And it's like some paranormal PTSD bullshit. And and folks, to find out what went down, you have to buy the book. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so you, so you wrote these two books. Now, you were a teacher's assistant. Yeah, buddy. We won't name the school, but uh, now, why did you get into doing that? Um, just to pay the bills. You know, I think it was more like I I had a job before, um, and I was making very good money, you know, and getting paid every week and all this stuff. Like it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I would make, in two weeks, what I would make in a month while working at the school. So, I mean, it was more of a labor of love at the school. I wanted to get into education, you know, and things like of that nature. I wanted to help maybe 
inspire somebody at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the course of me working there, I wrote these books and I started doing the lecture thing and all these radio interviews and then got approached about doing the, the movie, you know, the, the documentary. And I was like, I have got to stop. Like, I can't do this anymore. So I, I picked the passion, you know, now instead of like the school. So, so I was, uh, fortunate enough to, to be able to do that, you know, to be able to stop doing the teaching and right. To be able to, to stop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to stop, you know, punching the, the time clock, you know, mm-hmm. and and doing what I'm passionate about. So. Now, you've done lecturing, too. Absolutely. And wh- where have you lectured at? Um, it's usually at different paranormal conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're everywhere. Those conventions are everywhere. Um, but I've also done, like, the library circuit type thing, you know, where a, a library will come and ask you if you would come and speak and do a presentation about ghosts and ghost hunting. And basically it's just like showing off all the, the gadgets and gizmos yeah. that we, that we use the geeko meters, the geeko meters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's Josh Hurd. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's not his life story, but that's, uh, that's our guy right there, Josh Hurd. <laughs> me, uh, it, there really isn't much to know about me. Uh, That's bull. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in none of this. Uh, I think it's all bull crappery. But I think I think that's what is going to set us apart. Yeah. From everybody else, like you said, instead of you know preaching to the choir for an hour, yeah. we're gonna sit here and, and I I. I'm going to bet that we get into some into some very good debates. Well, I hope so. I yeah. hope you can stand up for your beliefs. I think <laughs> I should be able to. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> well, it, uh, I was never into the paranormal uh, as far as a believer. I love uh, horror movies. I love paranormal movies. Um, but what is uh, what is your favorite paranormal movie? Oh. It. This is going. To, I think, from your perspective, this is going to sound really stupid. <laughs> uh, do you remember the? It was not the first Amityville horror movie. Okay. It was another one, and I can't remember which number because how many do they have? Oh, like, a t- like, there's a ton. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the second or third one. Okay. And it's it's. The one where the guy, maybe it's the first one, I don't know, but there was a teenage kid in the house. Now, this is the movie, not the true story. Right, there right. There was a teenage kid in the house, and his bedroom was on the on the top floor. It was the attic bedroom. Oh, with the creepy yeah, with windows. The, the windows. Yeah. And uh, I, rem- I rem- it's the one where he, he has these, his arm bubbles up, and he gets thrown on the bed, and his his gut gets pushed in while he's laying on the bed. I know which one you're talking about. I uh, I don't know the number, though. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, that was the most scariest uh, movie I had ever seen. That's awesome, though. That's good stuff. I really love the Amityville horror stuff, and, and we'll delve into that. Oh, it's a creepy-ass story uh, in itself. Oh, it is a creepy-ass story. 
but uh, oh yeah, we could talk for hours on that. Uh, yeah, that's why we're gonna. <laughs> that's why we're gonna save it. So, uh, but I was never a believer in this stuff. Uh, I do art, graphic designs. Uh, I met you, and this is not for you. This is for people listening. I I met you. I think when I was doing screen printing for. Chasing Daylight, which is a band you used to be in. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and that I had met you, but it was, I mean, it was nothing. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably don't even remember it, but uh, I delivered the shirts out to the wine. That's yeah, yeah. I do remember that. And uh, and then after that, I can't, I can't remember any specific time, but I, I know that I did. did your website joshherd.net oh, for yeah. everybody yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah and uh and my my ghost hunter t-shirts too yeah your ghost hunter t-shirts the, trust me i'm a ghost hunter yeah <laughs> and uh the jb acoustic the name of your band jb yep. acoustic logo uh and then i uh spent a couple weeks uh pestering you to make a podcast and so here we are absolutely so uh uh, but we've talked a couple of times. But we're, we're, we're not even. We, we, yes, people, we we're not really friends. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get to know each other on the air, so you'll get to experience that. Uh, but other than that, uh, I grew up in Iowa, Southwest Iowa, just like you. Uh, uh, I don't have a history of. Uh, paranormal or, or UFOs or anything like that, other than to say that I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what I consider to be the fiction yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm an atheist. I I went to church uh, when I was a kid, and uh, I gave up on that at a very young age because I have uh, a very analytical mind. Which goes along with that whole not having that closeness in my family, I I think, uh, uh, draws me away from a lot of spiritual contact, you know. Uh, I think closeness within people, within two people, uh, they, for lack of a better word, I think they gain a certain amount of spirituality from that. And and I and and uh, I would say that it, it it doesn't matter. You can be you can you can you can have whatever type of family you have and still believe in ghosts and still believe in God. But I I think that it's it's one thing that perpetuates that is is closeness in family members. And I never had that. So uh, so I I gained a real analytical kind of mind so if i don't see it if i don't smell it if i don't hear it it's not there right right you know if a tree falls in the woods it doesn't make a noise for me it Mm -hmm. it, it didn't it didn't crack it didn't fall it didn't bang you know even though i know that it did but (laughs) right right. scientifically you know but using that as an analogy if i wasn't there it didn't make a fucking noise so so, uh, but, but, you know, in the end, as far as this podcast goes, it doesn't really matter about me because it's, uh, it's, it, I'm just the skeptic. That's what I am. So. But that's, that's going to make it fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I think, I think we're, 
we're on the right track with everything with this. So I think it'll be I think it'll be good. If my kid would stop screaming. Is is she in there like crying or no, is she's she just not happy? crying. That's just it. Yeah, she's like talking. Yeah. I mean, she's just like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just has to be the loudest person in the house. I think we should get right into what we were going to talk about today, which is shadow people. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, so shadow people. Uh, let me give you let me give you this, okay? Okay. Uh shadow people can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yes. They're either interdimensional travelers, uh they're fallen angels, uh if you want to go into theology sure. and and cover that. Uh they are uh s- people that are astral projecting right right i think right. you brought that up uh earlier not on the before the podcast uh so y- you have you have all these different interpretations of what shadow people are but one thing that is mostly consistent with shadow people mm-hmm. other than the photographs okay right right is that when people see them they see them out of the corner of their eye all the time. And then when they look, they're gone. Right. And to me, uh, if I were to see something out of the corner of my eye and then I looked and it wasn't there, I'd dismiss it. You but, would think nothing is there. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, but the thing about shadow people is that they cause uh, really extremely high amounts of anxiety uh, yeah. in people who see them. Uh, and and that is the hook that these people have with the shadow people. They're like, <clears throat> if these were things that I'm just seeing out of the corner of my eye, why do I get this overwhelming sense of uh, of being afraid or anxiety or nervousness or whatever that whatever it is that they say they're, they're sure. having? So. So you have shadow people, you see them, you get this overwhelming sense to just run or get the hell out of there, <laughs> right? Uh, so w- what is it that you know about shadow people? You know, basically, I've noticed maybe within the last, within the last decade, within the, I mean, even more than like the last five years, honestly, is like, there's a lot of talk about, you know, shadow figures and seeing shadows and things like that, which I don't entirely dismiss at all. I've seen, you know, things that seem to like move across a window and break the break the light that would be coming maybe through a window or something like that. I've seen this, you know, I've seen things that are humanoid in shape that don't necessarily have a color. I mean, that block out light. I've seen these things. However, the things that are in like the corner of your eye, which are a lot of these claims, you know, that's that's one thing that I've like I it just makes me wonder what is exactly what exactly that is. Maybe it's just our eyes playing tricks on us because your peripheral vision is screwed anyway. You know what I mean? <coughs> Maybe it's Maybe it's just, like I said, your eyes playing tricks on you or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. So, 
I don't know. I think if you see something out of the corner of your eye, look really quick, and you see nothing, there's probably nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you think about the people who see uh, actual shadow people? Like, they're looking directly at them. They see a shadow move across the room or or in the woods. Right. Um, There was a lady, and I can't remember her name, uh, but I I watched a video on it, and, and... the uh, the video that I watched was actually uh, hosted by William Shatner. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And uh, it, it tells the story of this lady, and it doesn't really matter what her name is. She's walking in the woods, and she sees this shadowy figure, like Bigfoot, walking okay. through the trees. And she's looking directly at it. Might and, scare the crap out of you. Yeah. And she got this... <laughs> really large uh, or overwhelming sense of fear that she needed to get the heck out of there. She didn't see it out of the corner of her eye. She saw it dead on. Yeah, she's watching this thing. Which then leads them to these other explanations. Yeah. Which which I don't think it was in that video, but but it was, uh, you know, the fallen angel explanations. The... The more of like the demonic, yeah, is and I think that's you know more or less what people lean towards. You know, they're like, oh, if it was a, if you see like a shadow figure, then you're you're looking at a demon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't necessarily buy into that. Which one do you buy into? Out Honestly, of all the explanations. I don't know. I've I've had like conversations about this. I've had thoughts about this and i'm like you know we always go back to like energy free floating energy and that's basically what we would consider like uh a ghost i mean we use these these tools searching for pockets of energy Mm -hmm. so they you know ghosts and whatnot supposedly draw energy out of batteries out of the air itself you know to to manifest themselves so they could maybe possibly either one show themselves or two uh manipulate objects around them so what if what if a shadow figure was um an entity that's right on the cusp of of materializing they have enough energy to somewhat form, but not quite enough to to show any features necessarily. Uh, like, that's one thought that I've had on it. So you're you're going to go with a paranormal explanation and say that these are these are ghosts it's that very, that have enough energy right to appear uh, right. It, at least it, uh, at a bare minimum in a shadow form. Yeah. That, see, and that's that's something that I would be able to get on board with. Now, you think shadows and you think dark things, and then automatically your mind goes to demons and demonic type entities. But is it a possibility? Of course, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not 100 percent sold on that. Now, I've heard of horrible things happening to people that that have witnessed these shadow people. That then, you know, that's not just like, oh, they see the shadow and then they're gone, you know. It's they see the shadow and then they watch this thing approach them. And then it gets closer and closer and closer and ends up doing horrible things to them. 
you know, physically uh, scratching and clawing. And I mean, I, I just read an account this morning of a woman who claims to have been raped, you know, from from this from a shadow from a shadow figure. Yes. Uh, claiming to be raped now. You know, in in all the research and things that I've done, like that seems to be few and far between. So I don't know. You're saying that th- that any kind of physical contact between a shadow person and a, and, and another person well, is, is few and far between. Right, because the majority the majority of of the cases and claims that I've read and heard has been people say, "Oh yeah, I saw this thing," and then it just darted away quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the majority of the things, and that's been my own personal experiences as well. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to bring this around for full circle. I think the first documented case of a of a photograph containing a shadow person mm-hmm. was uh, was the the Amityville uh, photograph that that they claim is is uh, John DeFeo. The the boy. Oh, the boy. Yeah. <coughs> Have you? Do you remember that? I, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, of course they're not saying, "Hey, he's a shadow kid," right? Especially because you can see features on his face and stuff right. like that. But and that's a very crazy picture. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's spooky cre- as hell. It, yeah, it's way creepy. Uh, of course, I think, in my opinion, it's just a kid standing there, and they took a picture of it. And it very well <laughs> could be. Yeah. Because weren't there kids living in the house at the time that that uh at that time like when the when the Warrens came in and did their thing, mm-hmm. um, and they they did it because they were called in to do so, you know, by the family that was living there, the Lutz family. Yeah, um, they were called in to do this, and but when they did it, they also had uh they had a few other people with them as well, including uh an anchor from the from one of the news channels. I mean, he was in on it as well and I believe he had a camera crew with him when they did this. Mm-hmm. Um and so I I think they really hyped up the fact that they were going into this house where all this tragedy happened, you know. Um and so yes, there were kids living at that house. However, there's um the claim is that no children were present at that time. Mm-hmm. So whether whether that's true or not, I I have no idea. Well, it certainly looks like there's a kid present. Yeah, it does. Like that straight <laughs> up looks like a kid. Yeah, <laughs> a kid I mean, with some crazy uh, red eye. Exactly. Going on. It's weird. Uh, the other thing that really creeps me out about that photo is that there is a uh, sketch. Over on the right side. It, what was the sketch of? It was of a lion. Yes. But in real life, that was a sketch of a house cat. Of a house cat? <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> what? Just, no, I'm just <laughs> so, so anyway, so that, I think, I, I think you, got, you got this photo which shows this kid. And uh, it, it, it's not a shadow. It's, I mean, you can see color and hair. Right, and, right. And it's, you know, it's... <clears throat> but then you have you have these other 
photographs, which of course have these circles around them saying, here, look, this is where the shadow yeah, is. Yeah, look and at this, look at that. Right. That that come after. I even seen one that was really hokey, and it was this this guy taking a picture of a, of a grave, a headstone. And uh, behind him, it looked like it, he had car lights on because it was taken at night. Okay. And so it was his own shadow. Yeah, it was his own shadow. And he was like, look, because it, 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 it melds with the shadow of the grave. Of so, so you got the grave, and then behind that is the shadow of the grave. And then above the shadow of the grave attached to it is a uh, shadow of a person. See, and I will tell you this. like, um, You know, light can be a very tricky thing anyway. And I personally was just recently i'd I'd fallen victim to this as well we were shooting the damn movie you Mm -hmm. know we're shooting this this documentary and we were inside this chapel and there was only three or four of us at the time inside of this chapel and we you know it's dark as hell in there we had no flashlights we had nothing we just had these cameras now Mm -hmm. on the camera itself you have this lcd screen that pops out on the side so you can at least somewhat see what you're shooting. Now, from the cameras, then, um, are these infrared light that's being, you know, shown. You know, mm-hmm. we obviously can't see that with our naked eye. But on this LCD screen, you know, everything appears green or whatever. Now, if you shine it just right, at this moment, like we were shining it through, but somebody else was shining their infrared camera at me towards my back i didn't realize this and then on the wall i could see a perfect like outline of a person and it was moving it scared the shit out of me initially Mm -hmm. until i was like oh wait it's mimicking my movements i'm like shit that's my shadow yeah you know what i mean but there was like a two second period where i damn near lost my mind (laughs) and and, well and that's that's where i'm gonna come in and i'm going to throw my skepticism full weight at this and, okay. and try to explain away at least the ones where people see them out of the corner of their eye because yeah. because the, the the in the little bit of research that I did on shadow people yeah the biggest and of course we're talking about the ones that people see out of the corner of their eye and then they're saying well this causes me really great amounts of anxiety and and and, yeah. and 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 if it was just and what they're saying is what their argument is is that if it was just uh, them seeing something out of the corner of their eye that wasn't really there it wouldn't cause this the feelings yeah right well it, in fact people who see them straight on too who claim to say that they they see them like the lady walking in the woods yeah uh it's that great anxiety. Now, let me tell you a little something about humanity. Every single animal on this earth, no matter how small its brain is, mm-hmm. okay, all the way down to cockroaches, have a fear instinct. Absolutely. Okay, now... And we're not here to debate humans versus cockroaches, but right. does a cockroach have uh, what we consider to be fear? I don't think that a cockroach actually gets scared, but I think it ha- its body automatically reacts to uh, 
to danger. Absolutely. Automatically. I think every one of us has that yeah. fight or flight. You every know? single one of us yeah. does. And and I think that uh, the people who are seeing these shadows are just overcome by fear. I, I think it's... I think it's I have walked by myself mm-hmm. at night through dark places, and I get creeped out. Absolutely. Like, just creep the fuck out. <laughs> and, and the thing about that is, it, even though I don't believe in ghosts, and I don't believe in, in all this, you know, anything that's... that's uh, conceptualized by by humanity or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I still get this feeling, you know, like I'm being watched or that I'm being followed or that there might be something, anything, a fucking werewolf for all I care, sit behind this tree or behind this trash can when, when I'm in a dark alley at night or if I'm in the woods at night walking by myself. And it, it makes me, do a 180 and turn back the way I came. Sure. You know, and uh, if I saw a shadow person dead mm-hmm. on, I would feel that same way. Absolutely. So I, I so I don't think that I don't think that this this being that these people are seeing, this shadow is is causing the feeling. I don't think that this this thing is injecting you with these right. feelings. I think that you're automatically getting them. And, you know, I, I don't care if you leave that situation and you go jump into a building that's burning and save a baby. Right. You know, because I've had moments where I've been brave and moments where I've been scared out of my mind. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that that's a good explanation for yeah. I don't think it's a good confirmation for the existence of shadow people. And I mean, like, I've always said, you know, going kind of back to, like, the cockroaches, you know, I've always said, like, because I do a lot of radio shows and things like that. And the one question that I'm always asked is, what's your favorite piece of equipment? And I always have to say, well, I could go into a location without anything. You know, I've done this many times. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but, you know, there's we as just animals like you said have this this thing kind of pre-programmed into into our dna or yeah. whatever that you know when something feels off you know you know when things feel just a little bit weird so i always go back to the fact that you know, your body is really like the best piece of paranormal equipment now whether that be the the feelings or whatever that's one thing that i can't necessarily explain are they freaking themselves out to the point where they they feel like they have to run, you know, um, which is very possible, you know, but at the same time, then are they are they experiencing this fear due to some outside stimuli that we can't necessarily pick up on? All we know is something's bad, something feels wrong. That's what I don't understand mm-hmm. about it. <clears throat> so well what do you think about this uh what do you think about this uh theory and this is the this is the one that uh, I like the best yeah because you have the fallen angel one yeah right okay. right right that these things are are fallen angels and and, and uh or 
they're all uh, uh, city of angels where they're actual angels oh, yeah. walking around. And you just happen to get a glimpse of, of one. Which would yeah. be so fucked up. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> uh, that one's, that one's kind of cool, but it's not as cool as this next one. Okay. The sun uh, puts off gravitons. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, you can fit several thousand Earths in the sun or something, whatever size it is. Right, it, right. It's Gigantic, yeah, it's humongous. Yeah. So, so you have all these these uh, these gravitons that that are leaving the, the sun, just along with light rays. Okay, and uh, uh, the theory is is that if if those gravitons were to hit uh, a naked planet. Right. If they were to just directly hit us, it would pull us apart. It would pull the whole planet apart. Weird. But uh, but because these these uh, gravitons are, uh, what they're saying is is that they travel through dimensions before they even reach the Earth. Oh shit! Okay. That, that a graviton is a interdimensional traveler. And that it has to travel through layers and layers and layers of dimensions before it even hits the earth. Wow. And that uh and that when it does, when when these when when these gravitons hit the earth, they open up holes between the dimensions. Or they are being utilized by interdimensional beings. Okay. Or beings from another dimension. They're being utilized to open up holes to our dimension basically like just a doorway then it's a doorway that's opened up by gravitons from our sun or from the sun and uh these interdimensional beings are using those gravitons to open up the doorway and walk through and then when you see a shadow person that is a being from another dimension that utilized uh, the sun's gravitons to to okay to come into our dimension, but why? Like, god damn it! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is what makes me so mad about it. I'm like, okay, because people, for for example, me. Okay, mm-hmm. I have personally experienced what I would consider a shadow figure, and this was two days ago. This was two days ago in my living room. Okay, okay. freaked my shit out. Yes, did I chase after it? Yes. It was a bizarre happening, but yes, I went after it, and then on the opposite side of the house, I would hear disturbances. I would hear banging and things like that, so then I would go, and I would come and investigate where I just heard the banging and all that shit, and then I would hear it on the opposite end of the house again. So whatever this thing was, was like jacking with me. Either that Mm -hmm. or I've completely lost my shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If it were... Like taking advantage of this graviton, this this portal, this doorway. Mm-hmm. Why? Why at nine oh three on a freaking Monday night in my goddamn living room? Like why? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like why specifically there? Why not someplace cooler than my living room? <laughs> why? Why would they want to come visit? Why your, me? Your right. living room. Right. My living room you're, specifically. You're a speck in the universe. Exactly. Who gives a shit about exactly. you? Exactly. You know, you're nobody. 
so, why wouldn't they visit some place cool, man? Mandela. Yes, <laughs> like anybody. Ch- Chairman Mao. It's like if you were if you were, you know, given the the opportunity to do so. If you're if you're given the opportunity to choose mm-hmm. where you would go, and maybe that's it. Maybe they're not. Maybe that's where the graviton hit, and that's the only option it has. So it could be random. It could be very random. Well, some of the theories are that uh, that that uh, ghosts come from other dimensions. That they're that yeah. that, that the energy of the dead resides in another dimension. So it's only it's only. Uh, and I have so many theories on that. Like it would take an entire show. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But but one of them for the for the shadow people and the interdimensional travel is that these these people are coming to visit you because they're your relatives. Because they yeah they've known me. Yeah, they know you. So they you they utilize these open portals, these gravitons. It's interesting, man. Now remember that gravitons don't just come down during the daylight. They they come down right, and see and that was another question I was going to ask: is when are they at their peak, you know, or if they even have a peak, or if it's completely just random? Well, I don't I'm gonna know. Have to, I'm going to have to look into it. Well, it, it's definitely a scientific question. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna say, well, if the sun's on the other side of the planet, is it is it enacting the same amount of gravitons on the dark side of the planet as right. it is on the light side of the planet? And if it is, well, then that answers your question. Sure, you know, sure. That you can get, you can see ghosts during the, you know, at least interdimensional traveling ghosts uh, in the daylight or the nighttime. It it really doesn't matter. And but that brings up a good point too, because like just time of year in general. Like I have found personally that in the fall, mm-hmm. like anywhere from like September to around November, um, that seems to be like when stuff is at its high point. Yeah. Like I've experienced more during those times. But the Earth is supposed to be farther away exactly. from the sun. Exactly, exactly. Did we just punch a hole in the graviton ghost I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like it just makes you wonder, though. Because uh, then you have, like, all these residual hauntings. You know, if on this specific day at this specific time there was a horrific car accident, you know, mm-hmm. and, a, and a mother survived or a mother was killed... And her two children and husband lived on. However, you know, she's reliving this moment and she's walking along this stretch of road looking for her family, looking for her children specifically, you know, Mm -hmm. it just makes you wonder. Uh, I'm looking up gravitons. Oh, cool. Um, just to see if I can find out what a graviton is. (laughs) It's a cool theory though. I think it's a. I think it's, it's interesting. A, I think it's a pretty cool uh, theory. Well, especially if you're saying like interdimensional or whatever. This, you know, the travelers. I would totally hop on board and say that ghosts and things of that nature are entirely on a separate plane of existence. Yeah, but it may be, you know, kind of in tandem with us at the same time. Life is going on for both of us at the exact same time, just on different planes of existence. You're talking about like the movie The One with, uh, with uh, I don't know, the, the karate guy, the Asian guy. 
Like Jet Li. Jet Li. Yeah. In The One. The One. And he went around killing all of his uh, duplicates in other dimensions. What? So, because, because if he killed one guy yeah. in one dimension, all the other people that are him become stronger. Dang. You see? So if he kills, if he goes to every single dimension that exists and kills every other, I don't know what his name was in the movie, but if he kills every other Jet Li, yeah. then he becomes super strong. Damn. Right? I've never seen it. You've never seen no? that movie? That uh-huh. movie's badass. But it's interdimensional travel. It doesn't talk about gravitons, though. That's really cool, though. Yeah. Here's the answer on gravitons. Okay. And I'm reading. We actually don't know the answer to that question, but we have a name for that hypothetical particle. Now it's hypothetical. Hypothetical particle. I think it has to be hypothetical because you're talking interdimensional. Well, we're talking about gravitons. We're talking about gravity. The explanation of gravity first. Okay. Okay. No, because because in order for them to to have interdimensional travel, utilizing gravitons to open doorways, there has to be a graviton. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so if that particle exists, it's it is called the graviton. And even though we have never observed the graviton, uh, we know a great deal about them if they are real. First, since the range of the force due to gravity is infinite, and the force due to gravity weakens as one over uh, the square of the distance between two objects, the graviton must have zero mass. We know this because of the photon had mass, it would change the two in the exponent. It's a bunch of math. So, uh, like massless photons, gravitons should travel at the speed of light. So, if graviton is an energy atom, like a photon. Right. Right. And if it exists, which we don't even know if it exists. Which is screwed. Like, I don't... The one part that that I just have a problem with is the fact that they said if it exists, we know a great deal about it. Well, how the fuck is that even possible? Well, uh, well, they ha- basically what he should have said is if it exists, we have a great hypothesis. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but not a working theory. No, we have a direction to follow. Though. Why is it nobody understands gravity? Shit, I don't know. Would you would you consider gravity to be a paranormal thing? Gravity? I'm sure Gravity. Initi- I'm sure initially, like when people were... See, I don't know, because we've always had it. Yeah, we have always had it. But understanding it, you know... Which we don't. Oh, we, shit, we don't have a fucking clue. All we know is that apples fall from fall. trees. <laughs> <laughs> that's, exactly. That's all we know. But it is a law. What, yeah. the law of gravity? Exactly. I don't know if it's a law. I think I, I believe it's a law. I believe it's a law, the law of gravity, which is what goes up must come down. Exactly, but that's not true. Yeah, no, it's really not. No, it's not true because we can send things in outer space; they don't come back down. Right. They. It's true for however many <laughs> miles you can go up into our atmosphere before gravity no longer has a reaction. Yeah, no shit. Uh, or, or beyond our atmosphere, which I think is, uh, which I think is over four hundred miles. Right. Yeah, something like that. Four hundred miles away from the planet, you can you which start to lose the gravitational pull of our planet, which is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> four hundred miles. Uh, yeah, straight up. Yeah, well, but anyways, if there's such a thing as a graviton, okay, 
And I don't know if photons travel through. I have dimensions. no idea. Yeah. Like any of that shit. But if this graviton travels through dimensions, and there are people in other dimensions that know this, and they use those gravitons to come here, your question is, it's why in the fuck are they coming to your living room right. or some stupid place out in the woods? Right. You know, or or uh, like, what's the big deal about the the woods or yeah? Why are my they, living room? Why are they hidden behind you know behind a banister on somebody's stairway? Yeah, because the amount of energy it would probably take to uh, create an interdimensional door using gravitons is humongous. Sure, absolutely, and that's kind of what I was thinking too. Our guest is, is back. <laughs> She's done with her nap. There we go. Did you know they made a movie called Shadow People? Did they really? Yes, they did. There's this location that you can go to. It's uh, called Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And it's one of the floors. I forget which one exactly. But you can literally just sit there and experience these shadow people, you know, walking walking throughout the corridors and walking across the halls. And some will even, like, approach you. Um most likely in an attempt to to scare you away or mm-hmm. whatever but so if you're standing in the hallway these things will come down the hallway towards you apparently yes on the walls or the floor of the ceiling the, or right in the middle of the hallway it would appear that they're right right in the middle of the hallway not yeah. not uh it wouldn't be like a shadow that's on a wall or anything yeah. like that does it make a sound effect um, there apparently are footsteps associated with it. So you can hear footsteps. Mm-hmm. And this is, where is Waverly Hall located? Uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium, I believe, is in, is it Kentucky or Tennessee? One of the two? Kentucky. I think it is Kentucky. Well, that's interesting. Because that's Tennessee. Because that's where it, it's at, Tennessee. Because this movie, I think, takes place in Kentucky. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And, uh... Of course, it's it's there is no known actors in this. Uh, Dallas Roberts, Allison Eastwood. It, it, there's nobody in it. The director is uh, Matthew Arnold, and the only thing of any significance that that you could uh, attribute to him is that he was a production assistant on Jackie Brown. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know how. I don't know what this. Uh, it's got a pretty mediocre rating. But yeah. if you're into shadow people, you might want to check, check it, it out. out. Uh, so, anyways, it's uh, a radio talk show host unravels a conspiracy about encounters with mysterious beings known as the shadow people, huh. and their role in the unexplained deaths of several hundred victims in the 1980s. And. Uh, th- the the th- where I get the the location from is in one of the reviews, and of course this guy uh, didn't like it. But <laughs> in one of the reviews, uh, the guy says, "I'm from Kentucky, and this is fake." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm assuming, really? I, yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> the movie uh, uh, takes place in Kentucky. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, because he's from Kentucky, so it's all it's all fake. <laughs> and this is fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and of course, a lot of the comments are are negative. Uh, this is America, the land of the stupid and gullible. 
Wow. 86% of Americans think angels are real and can't locate Korea on the map. (laughs) 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 But whatever. Uh, Shadow people. Uh, Obviously, it's, 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 it's getting bigger. Right, the Absolutely. whole shadow people thing. Oh yeah, uh, and I want to talk about be, before we end this. Uh, before we end this thing, I want to talk about what is probably the shadow people god. Okay, the, the shadow people god. The shadow people god. <laughs> is it a light source? <laughs> no. Uh, Slender Man. <laughs> Have you heard of Slender Man? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like people are losing their mind over the Slender Man thing. Yes, they are. But it's funny because Slender Man, like the whole thing started online mm-hmm. and it started as a completely bullshit story that the the person flat out said, No, this is this is horseshit, you know? <laughs> like yeah. This is not true. But now there's people, I mean, they're writing books. Yeah. I mean, all sorts of things. Well, for a little bit more detail into the background, Slender Man is a, a character that was created as an internet meme on somethingawful.com. Okay. Do you know what Something Awful yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. And I spent a lot of time on Something Awful uh, way back in the early 2000s. Okay. Like, right when it was uh, first getting started. In fact... Uh, like I said earlier, I was I'm a graphic designer, so right. uh, back then I would take uh, images, just photographs off the internet, and I would put all your base or belong to us on the, <laughs> on the photos, yeah, and uh, and throw them up on something something awful. So I was back, I was on it way back in those days, but that's uh, cool. So Slender Man was made uh, on on something awful. Uh, uh, and now it's become this inter- internet meme. But it, it, uh, the people that are going fucking nuts over this guy, right, is basically he's this long, tall shadow with tentacles coming out of his right, back. Right, right. And I, and if you've played, uh, if you've played Minecraft, mm-hmm. there's a, a Slender Man character oh, that's there. Cool. but he's not called slender man uh let me look it up real quick okay because i play uh uh i play minecraft because my kid plays Minecraft. heck yeah so, so uh uh i guess well i guess he is called slender man it's so funny though. Well, there's this there's this this black figure that mm-hmm. appears and he can he can reappear and disappear at will and and uh and in different locations. And he's a tall, thin black figure, usually wow. carrying a, a a box uh, from the Minecraft world, you know, cuz everything's a box. Right, so, right. So he carries a piece of something with him. Uh but uh, th- but yeah, the Slender Man thing phenomenon is huge, and I think that that is uh, is pushing the shadow people. You know, earlier earlier this year, I believe it was the start of the summer. Um, I had 
an event that was supposed to take place in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And we were going to basically go out to this haunted location, this area. It was more or less just a campground. And we were just going to, you know, uh, ghost hunt and camp out and have all sorts of fun stuff. But at the beginning of the summer, there was two 12-year-old girls that killed another girl or, like, stabbed her God only knows how many freaking times as, like, an offering Mm -hmm. to Slender Man. Yeah. I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) What are you doing? Yeah. (coughs) Well, what do you think that plays out to? I mean, you have have this guy uh, named Victor Serge that gets on to something awful and he creates these photos and he's got one photo that's creepy as fuck yeah it's the one where the kids are playing on the slide and it looks like they're it it looks like a a photo from the 70s maybe okay and it's black and white and there's some trees in the background that cast a shadow and i'll just turn this so you can see it okay if you haven't seen it already but you see in the background in underneath the shadow of the tree there's this tall thin figure and that's one of the photos that he created right wow so you get uh, it's so uh, it looks cre- interesting it's very creepy yeah it, it's a it but it's definitely photoshopped i mean it's sure, a, sure. it's admitted as being photoshopped but but anyways this this picture that he did he says that this is when uh, supposedly 14 kids came up missing out of that park that day wow which goes which goes along with this whole fake story that you know it's just fueling the fire yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but but people take that and they and they run with it and they're like okay yeah this is a real thing yeah they don't look into it any farther than that they take everything that they just read yeah and that's that's gospel to them yeah it's like the onion Right, right. Like, how many people have read a story on the Onion and said that's true, and then, you know, especially if they've never heard of the Onion mm-hmm. or know what the Onion is, but they say, "Oh, that story is true," and then they, they, you know, they're telling all their friends, "Yeah, uh, Obama was caught in bed with, uh, with that, uh, uh, the mother from Good Times, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is that that." That they that they want to come up with, but then then these people believe it. That's crazy. It, now, don't you think? And the reason why I'm bringing up the whole Slenderman thing is because of these people that believe that Slenderman exists, even though it's blatantly true that yeah. it is fakery. Yeah, it's very obvious that it was all made up. <clears throat> so how? So comparing that to these these other shadow people things how hard is it to convince somebody that, that that these things are beings from another dimension or that they're angels or or that they're they're spirits of the 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 dead that that maybe uh have enough energy to show themselves as shadows right, and right. stuff like that so it is see that's tough um i believe the people that are you know legitimately terrified you know, have, there's got to be some kind of a reason for that. I see things out of the corner of my eye all the time, but I don't get scared. I don't, you know, lose my shit over it. But 
I, I'm not everybody else. So, you know what I mean? Like, um, you and I were talking earlier and I said, you know, I actively pursue these things. Now I still get scared. Mm-hmm. I still get the crap scared out of me all the time, you know, and startled and all that stuff, but I'm not, I'm not them. So I don't know. I think, I think they have a legitimate case for the fear. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they are truly seeing what would be considered a shadow person or if it's something on a wall, then I would certainly question it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that people aren't thinking of. I mean, hell, like there's zillions of shadows that appear on my walls all the time when somebody drives by the house at night with their headlamps on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, light is tricky. It bends. Mm-hmm. You know, it can curve and do all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of factors that, that go into play with that. Well, something outside, some outside force has to bend that light. It, right. Light won't bend on its own. It has to be reflected or and, it has to be pulled by gravity yes. or refracted exactly. by prisms and things like that. Right. Absorbed. Yes. You, you and know. there's so many different factors that play into that. Mm-hmm. But it is possible, you know. Yeah. Um well, you know, you, you know that email that I sent you or that text message I sent you about pareidolia. Yes. Now, you can't look up pareidolia. I tried. It, yeah. did, no, it didn't work. No. But it was a term used by uh, uh, by a scholar, and I, I don't remember his name, but it was also in a video that I saw. Pareidolia mm-hmm. is, the, is when you look at something. And maybe he was just coming up with a new name for it. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Because there's parapodia. Okay, uh, not, and that means something completely different. But but pareidolia is what he calls when you look at patterns and you see shapes in those patterns. You're, you it's, remember it's, in the mall when you go to see those pictures and you got to stand a certain distance. Yes, and you look into the image and you can see a sailboat or you can see uh, like the magic uh, eye thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, and that's that's the way our minds work. Anyways, we, like we take something chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like cloud formations, mm-hmm. something chaotic, and we make something familiar out of it. Oh, that looks like a bunny smoking a cigarette. Yeah, th- and that's one of the things that they, that they you know what I mean. It's video, yeah, it's uh, it's matrixing mm-hmm. is what what uh, people in the paranormal call matrixing. Matrixing, right? And it's just making order out of chaos. Our yeah. our body's natural reaction to chaos. Yeah. So, and that can apply to seeing a shadow. And oh, thinking hell. and thinking it might be something that, that is actually there, or or even the Slenderman case where you get all this sensory information exactly about it, and then you just believe it without having to delve into the history of it. I mean, you don't need to go and if you if you have a tapestry and you see a shadow in the tapestry because it's a pattern, let's say it's a oriental rug or something like that, and you see a shadow in it, you're not going to go look up the history of that. But right, right. But you're just automatically con- convinced of it because you're matrixing. And I think we do the same thing, especially in this field. I think we do the exact same thing a lot of times with uh, photographs. Mm-hmm. We sit and we analyze photographs is that an orb? Is that a piece of dust? I, I've stopped looking at orbs yeah. because of that reason. Because if you can sit and stare at it long enough and people zoom in on the orbs and all this stuff, well, then the image becomes pixelated even more and it's more distorted than yeah. before. And they're like, oh, I can see a face in there. Well, fuck, of course you can see a face. Yeah, because you can see whatever you want. Exactly. 
because it becomes a, a nondescript pixelated image. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've taken pictures, uh, a picture of a kid. Yeah. And, uh, because, uh, of course, I'm a graphic designer. I did photography, too. But exactly. But I did, uh, I, I took some pictures of a, of a child in his backyard, and uh, around his head were orbs. And there weren't any in any of the other photos that I took. And I had taken one prior to this and after. But just this one photo. Had, he was already uh, in place had, yeah, he was at already, the time of the first shot. Already, yeah. And he was still in the same spot. In the same place. And I had taken three or four photos of him. And just one of the photos had these these orbs. And I got to admit, they okay. were pretty cool. I would, I would entertain that for a minute. <laughs> because, you, like you said, he was already there. He was already in place. Mm-hmm. And you start shooting. Yeah. And then at the last, the last photos with no orbs, he's yeah. still in place. Yeah, but here's the thing: I wouldn't bring the photo to you and try to convince you that these were these right. were paranormal orbs. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I get, I get that a lot. Yeah. You know, um, he was right by a bush, and this goes to the pattern thing and the light thing and the light being bent and reflected sure. and absorbed. He was right by a bush, and we were outside, and the sun was. Uh, it was it was in the evening, so the sun was to the west, and so was the bush. So the okay. sunlight was shining through the bush. So you get, uh, it, and this is my explanation for it. Sure. Even though it was cool, and I could show that picture to anybody, and anybody would, anybody who believes in the paranormal would go, "Those are orbs." Especially in succession, like you yeah. said, first mm-hmm. to last. Mm-hmm. My interpretation of it is is that the leaves moved, the wind moved the leaves, the sunlight came through, refracted off my lens, and created the orbs. It's very possible. It's all very possible. But that's what I think. See, there again, you know, the whole orb phenomenon and things like that, I mean, it's just, I don't know. You take it with a grain of salt, basically, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that would be really cool. Like, me personally, I have seen an orb. Now, this was... Only one occasion in a photo like, or no, with your like with my freaking eyes, my bare yeah. eyes, and this was at Workman's Chapel. Uh-huh. I saw one orb that was just moving around, and I, it was bizarre. Uh-huh. Maybe for ten to fifteen seconds. So I mean, a good amount of time, uh-huh. and then it was gone. I kept that to myself. I didn't tell anybody else in the group what I just saw. Yeah, because I. I wanted to think more on it. Nobody else was looking in in that direction. Nobody else saw that. Nobody else saw it. Which lends me to think that I might be losing my shit too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what's what's true for you is not necessarily true for everyone. Exactly. So, uh, of course, if I saw it with my naked eye, I would think more on it. You know, it just like right. you said, you wanted to think more on it, but I would think more on it because coming from a coming from a, this is all a bunch of crap. It, this is all cool but it's all a bunch of bull crap right you right. know kind of position that that i have um uh if i actually saw something in real life with my eye with my own eyes looking at an orb floating around 10 feet from me right i would i would re- probably do a lot of considering yeah. <laughs> a lot of contemplating on on what my beliefs are and and that's just something as simple as an orb right you know right so to swing it back around to to slender man 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I look. I keep harping on the Slenderman thing because it's because it 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 bothers me that here is something that is blatantly, admittedly false. Yeah, completely. Yet people believe it, even though they're told in the same breath that it's not true. <laughs> exactly. And then they kill people. They've killed people. Or gone crazy and done crazy things because they said Slender Man told me to do it. Exactly. You know, which is, and Slender Man, of course, is a shadow person. If, right, right. He's a make-believe fictional shadow person. That has no face. That has, yeah, has exactly. No face. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a, a shadow with tentacles. Right. Or, or a no-face guy in a suit, however you want to depict him. But either yeah. way, he's a shadow person, and he's fake. And these people believe that he is real, and that's what bugs me to no end about right. it. Because, it, because look, you're a believer in the paranormal. You're an absolute believer in it. Yes. And, and there isn't going to be just... There isn't going to be. Uh, there isn't going to be. It is. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than me to convince you otherwise. But, it, and that is something that's that's true to form. I can accept that. Sure. What I can't accept is is people that are just so fucking gullible. And they take things at at face value. Exactly. And, but they run with it, and they. It's more than that. You know, it's like they hear this spooky story and they completely take it as fact. It's like when you hear like urban legends mm -hmm. and, and things like that, you know, is there a, an amount of truth to some of those stories? I'm sure. Like, oh, it always starts with a boyfriend and a girlfriend in a, in a car mm -hmm. or something like that. You know, they conveniently <coughs> run out of gas. <laughs> so, you know, he can uh, yeah. maybe cop a feel or something like that. You know, they start off in a, in a general way yeah. in a similar way yeah now is there a level of truth to that of course that that it happens every day you know it does but do they really <laughs> believe that a, a guy with a hook for a hand or something like that is going to come and like gut them if they're out past like one o'clock in the morning you know if they're necking in the in the woods yeah you know what i mean or if they say candy man in a mirror three times right or or bloody mary and all that stuff <laughs> all that fun stuff and that's always been something I was fascinated with too, like as a kid. But it's I urban legends, well, yeah, and like Bloody Mary and shit like that. And it's like, of course, Bloody Mary, like that whole story stems from truth. But then it's you know it's been swayed yeah. and all this, unlike you know. Slenderman, which doesn't, which is completely <laughs> fabricated from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't come from an urban legend, even yeah. though part of the fiction from it is that it came from an urban legend. You know, but that's admittedly fiction. Yeah, am I just t reading too much into these people? Are they just they're just psycho? Anyways, need mental help. I, I think they need some pills. Yeah, the or people, some, you know. these people that are taking the Slender Man thing yeah. so far. And I think a lot of it, like you know, like the two girls that I spoke of, they're twelve. Yeah. Do they? I don't know. Maybe they've just read too much into it. Mm. and not accepting the fact because they're 12 you know they're they're freaking 
Well, they're dumb. <laughs> they're 12. Yeah, you but do you, do you, would those girls have been saved if their parents would have took away their computer and maybe gave them a copy of uh, Moby Dick or, right. or something? Or would to, they go out to sea looking for this gigantic fucking whale? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? like, yeah, they're just crazy anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, well, uh, like we said in the beginning, this is our first podcast. Yeah. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed the talk. So, uh, we have so much more to cover. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll probably be coming out with, with one a week. Yeah. If, uh, if our laziness doesn't get uh, <laughs> the better of us. But, uh, if you are interested in purchasing, uh, Josh Hurd's books, uh, you can get them on Amazon. The first one is called when ghost hunting goes wrong, a brush with evil. The second one is haunting the hunters. Yeah. And, uh, and they could all be you can find all the books at uh Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble dot com. Uh the iBook store has them as well. Great. All over. Uh and your documentary is coming out. Yeah. Um that's basically just gonna be retelling retelling the first book. Uh we've just entitled the documentary A Brush with Evil, which was the subtitle for the book. Mm-hmm. Um and basically it's, you know, retelling that story. And then uh, me getting the original team together and going back for one final time, mm-hmm. one final go around with the entity that's and in the chapel. Do you have a uh, do you have a release date? Yeah, we're looking uh, spring of 2015 right now. Spring of 2015, spring. and we're gonna start. Uh, yeah, we're gonna tour it and do all sorts of fun stuff. So it'll be great. That's a that's a good time to start a podcast to promote that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, uh we will uh we will see you next time and uh very cool. See everybody later. All right. All right. I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline rule. And I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw. Anxious to get up there and whoop ET's ass, that's all.